0: elementary age kids are dismissed. That's grades K through five. Your teachers are waiting for you at the back. Um, and they will have an elementary uh, lesson appropriate for your age group. The The Bible calls the church, when we gather, to do five things. One of those things is to preach the word, which I'm about to do. Another thing that we're called to do is to sing the word. We've done that this morning. We'll do more later. We're called to read the word. We'll do that here in a moment. We're called to see the word. And we do that through the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper. But one of the other things that we are called to do is to pray the word. And Pastor Dominic just led us in a time of prayer And somewhere in my spirit, I could hear someone in this room or on this live stream saying, this is like the longest prayer that I've ever sat through. And beloved, if there are five things that the Bible calls us to, we should dedicate as much time to prayer as we do singing. Beloved, someone once asked the great Baptist preacher, Charles Spurgeon, what is the secret to your success in the Metropolitan Baptist Church? And he said, my people pray for me. It wasn't large screens and displays. It wasn't his eloquence of a preacher and the man could preach. It wasn't the the wonderful children's and youth ministry, the exciting nursery. He said his people prayed for him. My heart is to, my goal and my desire is to help form us into a people who love God to commune with the Lord through prayer. And so we are intentional here at the Bridge Church about spending time and talking to the Lord. We've said at the Bridge Church that prayer is not something we do to transition people on and off stage. Prayer is us being obedient to the Lord who has called us to prayer and invites us into his throne room. But prayer is by which we access the power of heaven to save lives, to change lives, to restore, to heal, to set free, to deliver. And so here at the Bridge Church, we intentionally take the time to call on the name of the Lord now, we don't say pray long just to be praying long. There, there is no spirituality in long prayers in and of themselves. Because some of the most powerful prayers are, Lord, help me. But in this moment where we gather together together, We say, hey, we're going to be intentional about praying and calling on the name of the Lord, praying for our nation, praying for our leaders, praying for our people, praying for our church, praying for the issues that are happening in our nation. So that's why we do what we do and we ain't changing a thing. Amen. So thank you, Pastor Dominic, and leading us. Prayer. And speaking of that, since y'all act like y'all love prayer so much, there will be prayer service um, this coming Wednesday at 7 o'clock right here in this space. Is that right? Am I wrong about that? Okay, all right. First Wednesday of every month, we gather together to call on the name of the Lord, and that's all we do is pray, pray, pray. So we invite you to come out this Wednesday night, 7 o'clock p.m., and pray with us. Look at you, you're going with me. I like it, I like it. Now get to the Bible, all right? Let's go, let's pray. Y'all, this is Ella that I'm working with, all right? Ella and I have that kind of relationship where I can talk crazy to her because she gonna talk crazy to me a little bit later, all right? All right, Proverbs chapter four, beginning of verse number 20. Proverbs chapter number four, beginning with verse number 20. It's glad to see those of you who are in town uh, for this uh, holiday. I see the other half of our church, went out of town for the holiday, so we pray God's blessing and favor on them as well. It is our prayer that you will be safe, but that you would have some fun and celebrate God's goodness to these United States of America, that we become even more united, but we celebrate the freedom that we have here uh, at the Bridge Church. You get tired of playing? I'm gonna call our payroll company, see if they get tired of paying you too. Y'all, Manuel is my brother, all right? So I have that relationship with him too. You're going to be like, do you have a nice relationship with anybody? I'm sure somebody around here, somebody, all right. Proverbs chapter number four, beginning with verse number 20. My son, be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, I'm done now. This morning, I want to do something a little bit different as far as how we begin our study of this passage. Typically, we go from the beginning, work our way through the end, but this morning, I want us to do something a little bit different. Rather than starting in the beginning, I want us to begin in the middle because this is the heart, the center, the thrust of this passage. Verse number 23, is what this passage is all about. Verse 23 says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. This father here in Proverbs tells his son that above all else, keep your heart. That that this phrasing, some translations say, above all else, keep your heart. That that idea of above all else signifies priority. This this is the priority. Get this right, son, and everything else will fall in place. So the priority is to guard your heart. So if anybody asks you, what was the sermon about today? You've got it. Guard your heart. This sentence, he he says to guard your heart, but he said, son, it must be guarded with all vigilance. That sentence in the original, it literally reads, guard your heart with all guarding. It, it, It is the sense of you need to guard your heart like it's a maximum security prison. it's the idea and picture of the heavy guarding of Fort Knox where about half of the U.S. gold reserves are located so son like Fort Knox guard your heart Why, why must the heart be so heavily guarded because the heart is the emotional and volitional or decision-making center of one's being. The the heart is the very core of who we are. Without the heart, we are nothing. And from the heart, flow the springs of life. It's the source of life. The the heart governs all activity. The heart, it's the center of our thoughts, our emotions, our desires, and our motivations. This idea is not foreign to the New Testament. We hear it from the master teacher himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, in Mark chapter 7, beginning in verse 21. There, Jesus says, For from within... Out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. It's the heart from which all evil arises. If we keep reading in Luke chapter six, verse number 45, Jesus said, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. You want to know what's in a person's heart, listen to what they say and watch what they do our heart tells it, uh, our actions tell what's in our heart. The heart, church, is the truest expression of who we are. So then, because it is the brain, the, the, the control center of who we are, we gotta guard it heavily. And what what pastor are we guarding it from? What this father has been setting before his son is that of righteousness and that of evil, that of wickedness and that of good. And so you gotta guard it from evil and wickedness and sin and trespasses and transgressions, guard it. So that's the priority. Guard your heart. How do we actually do this, though, reverend? I'm glad you asked. Let's start back at the beginning. Let's look at the practices for guarding the heart. First, practice. If we're going to guard our heart according to Proverbs chapter 4, verses 23-27... 20 We must dwell on God's word. Dwell on God's word. Where do you see that in the text, preacher? Verse 20, this father says, my son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. That word incline means to bend. So the father wants the son to lean in and listen up. Son, this is important, what I have to say to you, because what I have to say to you, these are not just my words, but these are God's words. Preacher, show your work. How did you get from here to there? Remember, in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6, the father says, For the Lord gives wisdom. And from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So this father is passing on to the son what ultimately comes from God. So these are God's word. So he's saying when it comes to God's word, son, be fully alert and lean in. So this father tells this son to guard these words right in the the, the center of your heart. In other words, don't just accept them, but retain them. Absorb them into your mind. Meditate on them. Memorize them. The Apostle Paul echoes these words of this father in the New Testament in Colossians chapter three, verse number 16. Here's what it says. Let the word of Christ uh, dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. The, the word of God should live in our hearts. We allow it to live in our hearts as we teach and learn God's word. Beloved, this is discipleship. But we also let God's word live in our hearts as we worship corporately together. Watch this. In-person corporate worship matters because this is how we minister God's word to one another. I didn't make it up. Make it up. It's right there, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with th- thankfulness in your hearts to God. I told you the Bible tells us to sing the word. That's why I love God's word, because we don't have to make up what we do on Sundays. We, 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 we don't have to be that creative. All we got to do is just say, okay, God said do this, so Do it. <laughs> That's one of the reasons you need to be here. You need to gather with the people of God so that you can carry out what he says to do to one another. So as we go back to Proverbs, we are to dwell on God's words. Before we go back to Proverbs, let me ask of you, what is it that you dwell on? What do you spend Most of your time thinking about, meditating on, worrying about. He says you need to guard your heart, dwell on God's words, because they are, verse 22, they are life-giving and life-protecting words. God's words give life. And they give life, and he says, because they are a remedy, a healing to all of one's flesh. Like medicine can preserve our lives, he says the word of God will preserve your life. God's word will fix what is broken. God's word is the solution to brokenness. Beloved, don't get me wrong, I believe in laws. God is the one who ordained the government and says that we are to obey the laws of the government, but government can't really fix the brokenness of a person's heart. The the legislature can't do it, the president can't do it, the governor can't do it, not even the Supreme Court can do it. That only God's word can change a person's heart. And so what's the answer to all the brokenness and evil that we see in the word? Get them in, in the world, get them in the word. God's word brings restoration to a life that seems lost. So if you're going to guard your heart, beloved, then you begin by dwelling on God's word. But not only must we dwell own God's word, but 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 this 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 uh, father is telling his son, "I want you to dedicate your whole body to the Lord." Watch this as we read Proverbs chapter four, verses twenty through twenty-seven. It has a whole-body orientation to it. Just look, verse twenty, incline your ear. Verse twenty, uh, don't let these escape from your eyes. Twenty-one and twenty-three, keep the heart. Verse 24, he talks about the mouth. Verse 25, he goes back to the eyes. Verse 26 and 27, he talks about our feet. This father has covered the whole body from head to toe. All of it is to be used unto the Lord. So then, how do we? How does this help us guard our heart? First thing he says in verse 24 is, if we are going to guard our heart, we also must watch our mouth. That's it. Guard your heart. To guard your heart, you must watch your mouth. He says we must put away crooked and devious speech. Now, now we think when we read that in our time and day, we immediately go to no cussing. But that's not just what this verse means. His, his emphasis is actually not on cuss words. His emphasis is on uh, uh, on twisting one's words. It, it is, has to do with speech that is false. It, cro- crooked speech is speech that, that, that le- leads us into lying, gossip, slander, And this father says, those who guard their heart will remove these habits from our life. So if you're going to guard your heart, if you are guarding your heart, then you will know how to watch your mouth. And not just what you say in person, but also what you put on social media. Preach, Reddick, I'm doing my best. Some of the meanest, nastiest, most callous posts that I read come from people who name the name of Jesus Christ. Why is it that we sound just like the world? Why is it that people who are supposed to dwell on the word speak like the world? Even on Facebook, Watch your mouth. On Instagram, watch your mouth or watch what picture you put out there too. Watch it, watch it, watch it. Guard your heart, watch your mouth. But not only must you watch your mouth, he says if you are guarding your heart, you will also guard your gaze. Verse 25, let your eyes look forward and your gaze be straight Before you, this father says to his son, You got to keep your eyes on the right path. And the right path requires one's undivided attention. Don't start looking at the wrong wicked path. I know it's enticing. I know it seems really fun, and I know it's going to fulfill all of your sensual pleasures, but son, keep your gaze fixed straight ahead. This, 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 this idea is timely in the Reddick household. On Thursday, June 30th, my middle daughter turned 14. Happy birthday, Bree. However, on her birthday, she spent most of the day cooped up in a classroom in driver's ed. And so now I'm thinking, as I prepare to teach her to drive, I'm having to remember all the rules of the road. What's so funny, Tam. I'm a good driver. First rule that they teach you is keep your eyes on, think, help me preach this thing, on the road. Keep, keep your eyes on the road. And we're told to keep our eyes on the road because the teacher knows that if you take your eyes off the road, distractions can be Fatal. If you're not looking straight ahead, you might miss the car in front of you that's braking, and you might rear in them. If you look to the right or to the left too long, you're likely to veer in one direction and drive off the road. That's why you got to keep your eyes on the road, Bree. Don't get distracted. You don't need to respond to that text message right now. Keep your eyes on the road. So we are told this father's advice to us this morning is keep your eyes on the right road. Look straight ahead because our gaze determines where we go. That's why he tells us in the next section, if you're going to guard your heart, you got to walk the straight and narrow. Verse 25, ponder the path of your feet. Then all of your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. That term ponder means to clear away or to make level. And this father is admonishing his son to walk the level path, which is the straight path path or the straight way. And the straight way is the way of righteousness and goodness. Son, you are to be committed to the straight way. Don't swerve to the right or to the left. What's wrong with the right or the left? It's the way of evil. The way of righteousness is straight ahead. The path that I've been telling you and teaching you about stay on this path don't go off of it because there's nothing good to the right or to the left we too like this son church must be unswerving in our commitment to the way of righteousness righteousness We must stay on the straight and narrow way. Yes, it is narrow. It leads to life. The broad way leads to destruction, but the narrow way leads to life. And here's the thing. If you are on the narrow road and you take uh, the wrong step, you go the wrong way, that false step could be fatal. And so, yeah, you better stay on the straight and narrow. So if we are guarding our heart, then our, then, then, then our walk, the way we live, will be according to God's word, God's ways, God's will. The, we, 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 as followers of Christ, walk the way of goodness and kindness and charity and graciousness and mercy and mercy rewind press play I said we as followers of Christ walk the way of goodness kindness charity graciousness and mercy y'all didn't get it so let me give it to you again we the followers of Christ walk the way of goodness kindness Charity, graciousness, and mercy. Some of the meanest people I know are folks in the church. Some of the most jealous people are people in the church. We've swerved to the right. We've swerved to the left. We've let the culture infiltrate our hearts. And so he says, stay on the straight way, son. Walk the straight way. We walk the way of righteousness rather than the way of wickedness. We are different. We are distinct. We are called to be holy, just as God is holy. So child of God, stop trying to fit in when you were designed to stand out. We walk in the light rather than in the darkness. And in these days, what we see is we live in a world where people love the darkness more than they love the light. All right. I told you a lot of what to do. I I hear our theologians saying, this seems, some of you are saying, Brandon, this seems very legalistic. For those of you who are not as me, you say, "Brandon, this seems very moralistic." First of all, I'm preaching what the Bible says, and this by, this verse has given us imperatives, commands to obey. Obedience, in and of itself, is not legalism. Matter of fact, Jesus said in the Great Commission, "Teach them to obey." Thank you. Help me preach this thing. And so, obedience is something that has to be taught. Now, if we obey in order to earn God's love, God's favor, now, that's legalism. That's my first point. But my second point in response to this legalistic and moralistic uh, accusation is, let me finish my sermon. (laughs) Because the truth of the matter is, before we can guard our hearts, we must make sure we have a good heart. And unfortunately, we all are born with bad hearts. Our hearts desire by nature is to rebel against the creator. And as a result of corrupt hearts, we are dead in our trespasses and sins and the only way to live again is to receive a heart transplant and what's sad is we're our heart is so bad and our heart is so corrupt that we can't even help ourselves we need help from outside of ourselves that's why God said in Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 26 and 27 Here's the good news, the new covenant. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and be careful to obey my rules. Beloved, the good news today is that God does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. God gives us a new heart, and he, but he only gives a new heart to those who place their trust and confidence in his one and only son, Jesus Christ. That same son of God, Jesus Christ, who died for the sins of people with corrupt hearts. That same Jesus who died was buried and buried those old corrupt hearts in in a grave. But that same Jesus has come to life so that all who believe in him can now receive a new heart. Beloved, that is the good news. That is the gospel to those who trust in Jesus Christ. God gives a new heart. The old, the, old, the old church used to say, uh, when, 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 the, when a change would come over them, they would say, I looked at my hands and they looked new. <laughs> I looked at my feet and they did too. Yes. That, that's what happens when God gives you a new heart. You look different to yourself. God says, not only will, y- will I give you a new heart, but he says, I'll even give you a new spirit, yes, God. which brings the dead back to life. So today, if you are here and you need a new heart, we implore you to trust in Jesus Christ. But to those of us who have a new heart and a new spirit, good news, even in that verse, those verses, are that we have just what we need to walk in God's ways and obey his commandments. God has put his spirit into us. Listen, if you try to do it on your own, in your own power, or with your own ability, if you're just, uh, 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 just, you, you, just going to rely on your own self, then you will fall and you will fail. Oh, but if you rely on what God gives you, that's called the Holy Spirit then you can do what God has called you to do. The spirit of God has been given to you to empower you and to enable you to do what God says. By God's spirit, yes, we can guard our hearts. With the help of the Holy Spirit, you can watch your mouth. I know you feel like, Pastor, it just comes out. It comes out before I can even think it. Well, just the good news is the Holy Spirit can help you hold your tongue. The Holy Spirit can help you watch your mouth. You can stop lying. You can stop being dishonest. You can stop complaining all the time. You can stop gossiping all the time. But it's only with the power of the Spirit. With the aid of the Holy Spirit, you can guard your gaze and fix your gaze on Jesus Christ, the the author and finisher of our faith. With the power of the Holy Spirit, you can walk the straight and narrow. What God calls us to, God equips us to do. So church, above all, worship team, you can come back. Here's the priority. Guard your heart. For from it flows the issues of life. The heart is the control center. It does, tells, uh, it reveals. The heart tells what's really going on inside of you. So the way I talk, the way I act, shows What's really in the heart? And beloved, what is your talk? And what is your walk revealing about your heart? Somebody in here today, you need a new heart that comes by faith in Jesus Christ. Somebody else in here, you need a renewed heart. It's become cold to the word of God. To the preaching of God's word so today, God says, your heart can be renewed. You have the spirit in you. Come home. Come back. You received a new heart. Now, let's live in the wisdom of God. Let's guard it. It's who we really are. This new heart, it's a gift from God. Guard it. This new heart. It costs God, his one and only son's life. Guard it. Guard your heart with vigilance, be diligent in guarding. We we have to mortify the flesh. We got to be killing sin or sin will kill us. Guard your heart. Watch your mouth. Guard your gaze. Walk the straight and narrow. Let's stand.